word, but that it would find its place. I pray, Father, this morning that our hearts would be open, that our minds would be open, ready to receive what you have to say. We pray this in the strong, mighty, and powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Well, good morning. Good to see you guys this morning. Hope everybody's doing well. Um, we are going to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, if you want to go ahead and, and uh, start turning there. That's where we're headed. This morning, it's Move Sunday, so uh, kind of the emphasis is uh, about promotion and uh, transition uh, from one stage or one grade to the next. Uh, maybe there's even uh, some that's getting into that senior year. Maybe there's some that is starting their first year, you know, so it kind of runs the gamut. Uh, some maybe have even moved into that college phase. Um, and so this morning, we're just kind of honoring that, and we we're going to be praying uh, as families. Our kids are going to be coming in in just a little bit at the end of service, and they'll be going to you guys. So as they come in, moms, dads, start looking for your kid to call them over if they'll be coming in, uh, coming to you, because we want families to pray together this morning. And so we'll br be bringing them in in a little bit at the end of the message. Um, now, the Olympics have been going on. I don't know if anybody uh, has noticed that. Uh, anybody, you've seen that? Uh, yeah, some of you may have seen that, you know, for like the last two weeks. So um, back maybe, I think it was uh, like three days ago, uh, the men's Olympic team that runs the uh, four by 100 meter relay race, um, they uh, raced and they came in sixth. And so uh, they got beat out by, I think, uh, Italy uh, got gold, um, Great Britain uh, got silver, and Canada uh, got the bronze. And so the uh, United States came in sixth. Uh, but our ladies, the, the women's uh, team, they did, uh, they got gold medal. I, I said last, last service they had silver, but they actually got the gold, and so they redeemed it, right? Um, but, uh, you know, everybody's wondering what happened in the, the men. Uh, what happened to the men's team that was not able to uh, do any better than what they did? Kobe, can you bring me that? Kobe has my baton. He is passing the baton off to me today. That was a great transition, young man. Thank you. So, uh, in the relay that they run, they pass the baton. As you can see here, you got guys that are running around the track, and they run, uh, one runner runs a certain leg of the race, uh, and then they enter this, this zone where they pass off the baton to the next runner, and then uh, that runner runs uh, his leg of the race. And so there's four uh, in this uh, four by 100 meter uh, relay. Now, the thing about this is I was listening to some of the interviews for uh, these teams that competed against the United States, and uh, they asked the Canadian team what they thought was the problem with the, uh, the United States team, and they were, they were talking. They just said, you know, I think it comes down to practice, right? Uh, and they said, you've got to practice. You've got to practice. And they had been practicing and practicing and practicing. And, and we all know the saying, practice makes perfect, right? Uh, I was actually uh, educated this morning on a new saying that practice and, and the musical uh, side of things, practice makes permanent. Practice makes permanent, which I like a little bit better because that goes uh, a lot farther with where we're going with it today. 
And so they were interviewing these guys about what they thought uh, happened to the, to the American team. And um, they, they basically just said it came down to practice. And, and I began to look at some other interviews. And these guys on our team, they are athletic. They, it's not because they're not, they don't have athleticism. They're not strong. Um, they don't know what they're doing. It, it's because they all uh, trained in their own individual spots. So they, they have individual races that they run. So they were all training for their individual stuff. And when it came to competing, uh, the competition for this race, they only practiced like two days before. That was crazy. I, did, I was like, are you kidding me? Uh, that, that although these guys had been training and training and training and training, that they had not practiced this relay up till the week of uh, the event. And so that when it came time for them to uh, actually do it, um, this is what you got. You got a throat punch to uh, the guy behind him, and that is not how you're supposed to do it. The other picture that we have, that is how you're supposed to uh, transition off. Uh, this is not how you're, you're not supposed to throat punch your teammate as he comes up behind you, all right? So, so this is a don't, okay? Don't do it this way. But as I began to think about this, I said, it, you know, it makes sense because we all know this, that if you want to be really good at something, you've got to have repetition. There's got to be uh, practice. There's got to be repetition in what you do. And um, one thing that I want to leave you with this morning, one thing that I want to say is this, is that your routine will create your reality. Your routine, your repetition will create your reality. And, and how does that play into what we're talking about today? Because what we're talking about today is much bigger than just a physical race. Um, and I want us to go read here in um, 1 Timothy chapter 4. And if you've got your Bibles, um, now I'm reading out of a special Bible this morning. Um, this Bible that I have uh, was given to me by my wife uh, many years ago. And this Bible is special because in the front cover... It has the footprints of my boys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, so I don't use this Bible. This sounds bad to say. I don't use this Bible very much. I, I have a Bible that I use a lot. Um, but this one, is, I don't want anything to happen to it because it is, it is uh, super special to me. Um, I would be heartbroken if anything ever happened in this Bible. So, um, I, but I pulled it out this morning because I, I wanted to read out the message version today. And um, it really kind of fit because this Bible, every time that I look at it, it reminds me of, of what my commission is as a dad, as a parent, what my job is. And my job is to pass off that baton of faith. My job is to pass off to the next generation that is running with us. And so this is what we find in... 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, and it says, You've been raised on the message of faith and have followed sound teaching. Now pass on this counsel to the Christians there or to those who are around you, the relationships that you had, and you'll be a good servant of Jesus. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Boom, I love that line. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Oh, that, kinda, that one kind of hurt, all right? I kind of took a little bit of offense to that, right? No spiritual flabbiness, please. 
Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both today and forever. And this you can count, and you can count on this. Take it to heart. This is why we've thrown ourselves into this venture so totally. We're banking on the living God, Savior of all men and women, especially believers. See, that's, that's it right there. That, that the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's saying, listen, he's like, this is it right here, um, that you've got, to, uh, you've got to train yourself. You've got to train those coming along with you. You've got to train those who you've been given charge over and those you have influence with. There's got to be repetition. And when I begin to think about this, and uh, I began to just kind of meditate on this, this, this passage of Scripture, I began to think, you know what? That's us. That's us as parents, as teachers, as educators. If you have influence over someone younger than you in, in, in a teaching capacity, this is where we're at. We're the ones who have to create that, that routine. We have to um, participate in this routine if we want that to become our reality because we can't just do wishful thinking. I can wish and wish and wish and wish all day long that my sons would come to know Jesus, but unless I participate and I am willing uh, to be repetitive in my routine of showing them what it is to worship Christ, of, of, of coming to church, of reading the scripture, of letting them hear, hear me pray, of, of letting them see what worship is. This is all part of how we train that next generation or pass that along is that we model that in front of them and show them that's what this looks like. That's what this looks like when maybe you have crisis moments and things get tight and things get tough. And then you just you're relying on Jesus, and you're just and your prayers are we trust you, we trust you, we trust you, we believe in you, and and your kids are seeing this. What you're doing is you're passing that along to them. But it's got to be more than just wishful thinking. Wishful thinking doesn't get you very far. You have to work at it. And this is where we're called to work at this. Your routine will create your reality. Our children just don't grow up and get handed keys to the faith. It's not like when they turn 16 and maybe they got a car and you gave them the keys to the car, you know. Uh, I've, I've seen some that's like, wow, man, you, you, they got a brand new car. Just give it to them. They haven't done anything for it. I had to work my tail off for a 1972 broke-down Volkswagen Beetle. It was stuck in second gear and we had to tow it home. And my dad traded for it. He had $200 and a roll of extra carpet from building our house. And he gave it to another pastor that we knew. And he said, give us that car. So we towed it home. And for the next year, we worked on that car. We sanded that car down. We, we refurbished that car. We, we put new upholstery in the car. Uh, had, the, had the transmission worked on. And so we made it a project. And you know what? It took time. It took me and my dad together. And it was repetition. It was days and days in and days out of working on this car. But when I turned 16, he handed me those keys and said, son, this is what you work for. It wasn't just something that I'd wished for. It's something that I worked for. And so, guys, let me tell you this. If you want your family to look a certain way when it comes to faith, it's going to be something that is repetitive. It's going to be something that you, you, you put the time in, that you're intentional about. It just doesn't happen. Good marriages just don't happen. Great families just don't happen. It takes work, and it takes us saying, hey, this is what our routine looks like because I have a certain reality that I want to see. There's a certain thing that I, I'm looking for, and I just can't wish for it. 
I've got to do some work for it. And so our routine will create our reality. So we get to this part where you think about these guys who are in this relay race, and they are um, having to pass off this baton. And these guys, they, they didn't practice very much, and, and uh, we kind of realized me and Pastor Trent didn't practice very much uh, this, this week too because I'm going to ask him to come up and help me with this. Um, there is a zone in... Uh, this race it's called the exchange zone and what happens is you have a certain amount of space where both runners are running in the zone and that is the exchange zone and um, you have the runner that's coming up he's he's got the baton and he's coming up and he's got to give it to the person running in front of him he's got to give it to the next person and this is how it kind of works like this that if you're running and he puts his hand back He's got to put that baton in the next person's hand. And see, this is where we're at, guys. As, as parents and as teachers, as those of us who have influence over the generation coming up um, underneath us, we are living in that exchange zone. Guys, you are living and running in that exchange zone, and we only get to run for a certain amount of time. See, I don't get to run the entire length of the track with my kids. See, see, at some point, they're going to be running by themselves, and at some point, they're going to enter an exchange zone to pass to the next generation. And so for us, we've got to make sure that we do well with the exchange zone. We've got to make sure that we're passing off our faith to the next generation. as well as this does so uh, that was a lot less scary that time I felt more confident first service we got up here and I was like we're such hypocrites because we're like the dudes getting hit in the jugular in that first picture I just didn't know which one of us was gonna get the jugular shot because we hadn't practiced um, but I'm excited to speak just for a few minutes I want to focus a little bit more in on our students this morning I think this is applicable to everyone here as well but uh specifically middle school and high school students, because that's what I'm here for and get paid to do. So that's wh who I'll talk to more. And uh, so we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 12. Um, I began thinking about this analogy we were using of the Olympics with us being here at the end of the Olympics. And um, every time I think about running a race, um, I think about a message my dad taught when he was a youth pastor. And I think about this scripture that comes to us out of uh, Hebrews 12, where it says to finish the race, uh, run, run the good race, all those things, um, and we're going to land there eventually, um, but I want us to go back to uh, where this begins um, in Hebrews 11, which is right before this, and I, I believe that Paul, what's so cool about this is I, I was doing some research and everything, and the Olympics are like super old, like they were happening uh, when Paul was alive, so it's cool that I think when Paul is, is using this imagery of running, I think he had this in mind. I think that he probably had, had seen these races. And I was, uh, I was scrolling through Instagram earlier this week, and a comedian uh, that I follow came up, and it was a little clip from his podcast. And he was talking about the Olympics, and one of the, his buddies he had on there was like, you know, like, Jesus was alive when the Olympics were happening. And so they started having this conversation about, well, what if Jesus would have been in the Olympics? Like, would that have been allowed 
you know, fully God, fully man, where's that in the rules? It's, you know, can you do that? How would he have done in water sports? Would he have been disqualified? And they were like, Jesus, you, got, you have to be in the water. You can't stay on the, your shoes aren't even off, man. You have to be in the water. You can't just be walking on top of it. And, uh, but I think it's cool that they go back that far and that, that Paul had this in mind when, when writing these scriptures. And there's a therefore at the very beginning. I'm sorry, Mr. Steve, I'm making you bounce back and forth. There's a therefore at the beginning of chapter 12. And at our good Christian college of Lee University uh, and the Bible classes, they taught us that when there is a, you may have heard this before, when there is a therefore in scripture, ask yourself what it is there for. So I did that. And I was like, why is this here? And so you go a chapter before, and I was just kind of blown away. And I'd read this before, but hadn't really made the connection between the two chapters. And so chapter 11 is talking about everyone that has gone before Paul, before the church, the the history. And in a single chapter, it's really cool. Paul, like, recaps almost like the entire Old Testament. And he goes back and he talks about um, Adam and Eve's firstborn sons, Cain and Abel how uh, Cain killed Abel because Abel's sacrifice was honoring to God. And it's this whole chapter on faith. Abel had faith. Noah, by faith, saved everyone from the flood. And then it gets to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who all in their own ways came to find faith in God, down to Joseph, who uh, was able to help his, his brothers in the land of Egypt. And at the end of Genesis, Joseph talks about in faith that God is going to bring his people out of Egypt, which happens with Moses. And so it goes on and on and on through the judges, through the prophets. And Paul, just in a beautiful, quick, concise way, powerful, goes through and is like, don't you see all the ones who have gone before you, this great cloud of witnesses that he's about to talk about have gone before you. They've been running this race, and they're ready to hand it on to you. And um, I begin to talk. I begin to think about this idea when it relates to our students. How many of you um, have had the misfortune of having an older sibling go before you in school? You know what I'm talking about, where it's like you get into a teacher's classroom and they already assume things about you because you're older sibling. I'm so sorry. I am that oldest sibling. I never had to experience that. I've got two younger siblings, and so hopefully I did an okay job. Um, but it's have you seen the Diary of a Wimpy Kid? Is they're hilarious movies. I think they're very underrated. Um, the older brother, Broderick, is just like this this just terrible kid. And he, I'm sure, has had this bad reputation with all of his teachers. And his little brother, Greg, just kind of this quiet kid, keeps to himself, comes in. And there's one, one scene in the movie where the little brother comes in and his teacher's like, ah, Hefley, I recognize that name. Your desk is right over here by mine in a cubicle where you will have no interaction with any of the other kids. And so because his brother had gone before him and kind of messed up his reputation already. He's already got that against him. And, uh, and so then last week, um, I'm going to pick on Mariah for a little bit because we pick on each other all the time anyways. Uh, we took our, our beach trip last week. And on the way home, we stopped at uh, Five Guys to eat dinner. And um, we had a new family that, that joined us last week for service. And their son actually ended up coming with us to the beach. And... Um, these students, they do great with welcoming these new guys in. And Mariah comes up to me in the line at Five Guys, and she's like, Pastor Trent, talk to the new guy. And I'm like, Mariah, that, that is fantastic. I am so proud of you. Good job, Mariah. And she goes, yep. Uh, and Mariah's going into 10th grade, and this guy's going into 9th. 
And, uh, and she said, yep, I told him, I asked him what teachers he had, and I had some of them too, and I told him how horrible some of them are. <laughs> and I was like, Mariah, you can't, you can't do that. Like, you can't scare this guy. Their, their family's brand new to Richmond Hill. You can't, you can't be doing this to him. But the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, it's really not an incredibly bad thing to let those that are coming behind you know what's ahead of them to give them a heads up and hopefully not to talk too poorly about uh, teachers. But, you know, I, I would appreciate that. I would appreciate the, hey, just a heads up, uh, she expects this, this, and this. Just, you know, he expects this stuff to be in on time, and this is what happens if, if it doesn't get in on time. I would appreciate knowing what to expect from each teacher, and I think uh, we can all be a little bit like Mariah in that way and learn from her. Um, but you hold great influence over those that come up behind you, and I remember – being a pastor's kid, a uh, youth pastor's kid, I was always around the older ones, even in, like, elementary school. I was at the lock-ins. I was at the youth events. And I remember being little and even looking up to the middle schoolers and the high schoolers and just being like, they are the coolest thing in the world. They are awesome. I can't wait to be that old. And then getting to that age and, like, why did I think that this was cool? Like, I, I look at these kids and it's, you know, I, I never felt that way. But looking up to them, it, you always think, oh, man, that's going to be the most incredible age of my entire life. And in some ways, it might be, but uh, you don't realize, students uh, and everyone else, but you don't realize how just like a year or two difference, those come in behind you, they look up to you. It's a freshman looking up to a senior even in high school, just those three to four years difference, they've experienced those three to four years that you're about to walk into. And so if you can look back and hand some things off to them, man, that's huge. That goes such a long ways. And... Um, I think it says, uh, the other thing that I wanted to hit on, it's our self-confidence of doing that, knowing that we have something to offer, because I, if you're like me, I am not an extrovert immediately. It takes me some time to warm up. Now, once I warm up to you, we've been around each other, had some conversations, I, I am very extroverted, but I'm not the person just to go up to strangers, and I have to force myself to do that as a pastor sometimes still, because that's not what I'm most comfortable with still, and I look at people who uh, may, may walk in um, or I may just see them out somewhere if they're close to my age or whatever it may be, and I'm like, man, they, they really look like they got it together. They don't really need anything I have to say. I don't really have anything to offer them. And I've, I've been learning, and God has been teaching me over this past year more and more all the time that that is so far from the truth. You have so, so much to offer an encouraging word or a, a simple um, piece of advice to someone who's coming up behind you goes such a long ways, and, and I wrote down, it's, it's not like you have to get up on the lunch table in the middle of school and scream to the rooftops about Jesus. If anything, I think it's going to do more harm than good because it's weird, but maybe find that student who's sitting by themselves. Seek out the new student who's never been to this school before, and it, it, everything's brand new to them. You have so much to offer them because you've been doing this for a while. It goes such a long ways, or if it's a new person at at work, on your job site, whatever it is, you do have so much to offer those that are coming up behind you. And this is what Paul is hitting on here in Hebrews chapter 12. So at the very end, at Hebrews chapter 11, we'll, we'll start there. So like I said, he's, he's talking about this great cloud of witnesses, all of these people who have had this incredible faith in God, who have gone before us in the faith. And he gets to the end here, and I, this kind of caught me off guard, the very last uh, verse of chapter 11 it says since God had planned something 
better for us so that only together with us they would, would they be made perfect. And what he's getting at is that all of these people, they were commended for their faith, and yet none of them fully received the promise of God, meaning their reward was still to come through Jesus Christ. They didn't, they didn't have the privilege that we do of knowing Jesus on this side of things, and yet they still had faith. They still served him. And so how much more then do we have to offer? So then this is that therefore, because they've done all this, because even with the limited faith that they had access to at that time, they didn't fully see the reward. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Man, so, so encouraging to us. Therefore, because Christ has done all these things, we can have confidence in our ability to hand off. What are we passing along to the next person? What do we have to offer? It's so much, so much to those who are coming behind us. Amen. At this time, uh, Laura and Brooks Julius are going to come up and pray for us, and Pastor Ryan is going to come and give us some direction for after service as well. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and ask for them to go ahead and let the kids in. So we said the kids were coming in, and uh, so if you see your kid, not somebody else's kid, all right, <laughs> we want everybody to get their kid. So uh, if you see your child, you can kind of wave at them so they can come to you because we want families to be able to pray together. And, um, and that's what uh, Brooks and Laura are going to come and do, is they're going to pray uh, over our families today. And uh, we thought, what better way than to pray over our families than have a family, a mother and son, come and pray over, uh, over you guys. And so, um, so we, we want to go ahead, and as kids, if you see them, you can kind of wave at them, let them come on in. And Yeah, there you go. Come on in, guys. Don't forget, teachers, educators, uh, we have a room set up for you right across the hall. Uh, there's a VIP room for uh, teachers uh, right after service is over, and we just want you to make your way through on this side. And so um, don't forget to do that as, as we get done here. Yeah, there you go. Come on in, guys. Hey, man, has everybody got your child? <laughs> All right. You got your child? Okay. All right. All right. I hope everybody's where they're supposed to be. This is what I want you to do. I want you guys, if you will, stand with us. If you will, stand with us. And, and um, we, want, we want you guys to pray with us together because uh, we're, we're wanting to pray for families. We're wanting to pray over, over our kids. And we want to pray for students. We're praying for teachers, and we're praying for administrators and peer, peer professionals and uh, counselors. The bus drivers, uh, all these different people who make our education system um, work. And so it takes a lot of people to put this together. And so we want to pray over them today. And so that's why we got these guys here. They're uh, praying professionals. And, uh, and uh, pray for us today, if you will.
Can we give him a hand? Awesome. Listen, guys, thank you for being here today. We, we are so excited about the school year coming up. We're praying that it's going to be a great year. We're, we're praying, parents, we're believing you're going to be resourced. You're going to be strengthened. Teachers, you're going to be resourced. You're going to be strengthened. Students, you're going to get a great education. We're believing for intellect, 